1: Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business, and we're friends. What? Don't let friends feed kibble. Uh, and somebody that never feeds kibble is uh,
0: Dr. Judy Jasek. Welcome on hump day. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good, getting getting over the hump, and and I want to add to that that even a little bit of kibble can do a lot of harm. Yeah, you know, I get that question a lot. Well, can I just just do half and half? No, nope. because if the kibble is part of the problem, you're still going to have the problem. Even if you're feeding a quarter cup a day, you're still going to have the problem. So yes, your pet will get better nutrients eating raw, but you're still going to have the problem. If you're getting the itchy skin or the diarrhea or whatever's going on, if that kibble is part of the problem, a little bit of kibble, still the problem.
1: People say that to me a lot. They're like, well, we're just going to add, you know, we're adding, I, I, somebody said the other day, they're just going to add an ounce of raw. Now this was a 65 pound uh, German Shepherd.
0: Oh, geez.
1: And so they're going to eat somewhere around 24 ounces a day. And they came back and said, well, we're just doing an ounce, you know, of raw a day. And I said, why? <laughs> what? what what's I, I'm befuddled that I don't understand that. um, And I can't remember that the response was something, you know, she's my dog has some sort of gastrointestinal or some sort of issue. And I'm like, yeah, but why wouldn't you just take the kibble out? It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I'm not, I've never been, and there's a lot of people out there that will say, well, just adding one meal of raw a day is better than not. I, I, I guess so, but it's like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to cut my poison in half. You know, right? I'm still going to take poison, but I'm going to cut it in half, Dr. Jacek. And then I should be really well soon.
0: Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. You're still, <laughs> you're still poisoning. You're still inflaming the body. You're still creating you know, all this, all this inflammation, you know, it's like, if say you were sensitive to, you know, a bee sting or something, well, you're going to react to one bee sting. You know, uh, you know, you don't need, you don't need 10 bee stings to, to react to, to that just one bee sting. If you're sensitive to it is, is going to be enough. Now, maybe you get a little less of a dose but you're still going to be having those same effects on your body, especially if you're very allergic. And I think it's the same with the kibble. There's just so many horrible, toxic things in kibble. It's like, good gosh, they, they, you know, so many people condemn raw for the bacteria and what's in it. How do we know it's safe? Like, do you, do you know what's in the kibble? Nobody knows what's in the kibble because <laughs> like, they hide so many things in there, but the people making it don't even know what's in the kibble. It's so toxic and so full of so many unknowns. And it's a common denominator when I see pets with cancer or, you know, autoimmune disease or other, um, you know, chronic illnesses that we treat having been on kibble for the majority of their life or currently still on kibble, very common thread. So I, I know it's part of the problem. Yeah
1: absolutely i'm just like let's just take that out and totally and then uh and then and then we'll go from there but you got to get that out first you know another thing that um you know when i like i was looking at this puppy my neighbor down the street and obviously um pooping out you know sloppy poops and and he's not gaining weight no matter how much food she feeds uh he's got he's got to have a vitamin deficiencies right vitamin mineral deficiencies certainly from the bad food but another thing that i was reading about is how veterinarians and even our human doctors that they don't really know that pharmaceutical drugs cause deficiencies and that they don't talk to their patients about nutrients that are affected by drugs that they're prescribing because in this article, it was saying that, you know, nutrients interact in metabolism. So for instance, zinc is involved in over 200 enzymatic reactions. Vitamin D is responsible for over 2000 genes and magnesium is one of the most important everyday nutrients and yet one of the most common deficiencies. Now, Listeners don't take this and run out and say, well, now I got to, I got to throw the vitamin D. I got to throw the (laughs) zinc. I, you know, we don't try to, to, to do that. But what we're talking about is that pharmaceuticals, if your dog is on a pharmaceutical. Okay. So Dr. Jasek, let's just line it up. Let's just say that your dog is on a prescription diet. Okay. Super substandard. Then they're on, um, some type of metronidazole or cytopoint or, um, what are some other, uh, pharmaceuticals? Epiquol. Yeah. Can you imagine this, this poor animal is deficient in vitamins and minerals and these pharmaceuticals are coming in and robbing their body. So it's sort of like, you're just, you're just, um, You're maybe not even fixing a problem. You're putting a bandaid on a problem and you're causing more problems, Mm -hmm. but this would not be something that you would see being taught in um, the vet schools, right? You wouldn't teach them, Hey, the, the pharmaceuticals that we want you to sell. Yeah. They're
0: causing nutritional deficiencies, (laughs) right? Well, if you, if you think about it, everything you put in the body, especially the oral meds, but I think even the injectables have an effect on the gut, but any chemical you're putting in the gut is potentially going to be causing some damage in in the gut. And as soon as you're doing that, yeah, you're going to affect nutrient absorption. The gut is not going to be able to do its job. That's why antibiotics cause diarrhea. Why does that happen? because we're damaging the gut and we're, you know, disrupting the normal microbiome. And, you know, it's, it's um, it's kind of a no brainer to me when you see this over and over again, you give drugs, chemotherapy is another great example. I mean, I see dogs, you know, in chemotherapy, get, stop eating, get vomiting, diarrhea. So, how How healthy are those dogs going to be?' They're, they're not even wanting to take in nutrients. and then if they have diarrhea, they're not absorbing anything. you know, It's just whatever you're feeding them is just running right through them. And so yeah, these drugs play play a um, huge role in whether or not pets get get good nutrition.
1: Yeah. You were talking about antibiotics. It says in general, they destroy the good bacteria, but here's the, they take, um, they cause deficiency in your B vitamins, B1, B2, 3, 5, 6, 12, biotin, folate, and vitamin K. That's a lot of stuff. That's just one. That's just (laughs) one of the pharmaceuticals. You know, it goes on to talk about anticonvulsants. So anti-seizure medication, right? So you've got the barbiturates, you've got, um, all these different types of drugs, and those are going to deplete many different things like calcium, folic acid, vitamin D, vitamin K. And you think about these dogs who are on these medications for years, years, um, you've got anti-inflammatory drugs, right? Um, and those all are going to delete and deplete vitamins A, your B vitamins, your C, your D, your K. I mean, it goes on and on and on, Dr. Z, Heart medications, right? Diuretics, uh, vaccines. This is one thing that I, I didn't really realize. I mean, obviously, you and I talk about vaccines all the time. But it says that vaccinations can lead to a vitamin C deficiency. And um, so, you know, vaccines should never be given in the face of deficiencies of vitamin C, D, or A, or deficiencies of zinc, magnesium, or uh, selenium. H- how would a vet even know that your dog is deficient in these, and yet they're going to give a
0: vaccine? I was just going to say, yeah, and, and all veterinarians test for vitamin deficiencies before they give a vaccine, right? Right you know? So yeah, they have no, no idea. That's the whole thing about, you know, requiring vaccines for a pet to even get in the clinic door is so wrong because we don't know what's going on with the pets until they're checked and examined and you get a good history. And if vaccines are to be given, they should only be given to, you know, totally healthy pets. And you're not going to know that unless you do an exam, maybe even need to do some blood work. Let's do the full assessment on the pet and then say, okay, your pet's healthy enough for vaccines, but it's, it's reversed in the profession. And it's just, I, I just know this is what's making our pets sicker and sicker and sicker.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of things that we pet parents do that are making our dogs sicker and we don't realize we're doing it. And one of them is Dr. Jasek. I've heard this, um, from folks, and you, you obviously know cancer very well in pets. But they give their dogs, say their dog has cancer, and they give their dogs Benadryl because it's an antihistamine, and they they want to keep the histamines down if their dog has cancer. Now, I don't think Benadryl uh, is something that you want to be giving your pets in the first place. But what would you, what do you have to say about histamines and cancer?
0: Yeah, I never, I, I see Benadryl used a lot for mast cell tumors. Matter of fact, it's Benadryl in combination with an acid blocker is often recommended. So Benadryl and Tagamet or Pepcid or, or one of those because it reduces histamine, which sup- supposedly reduces the activity of mast cell tumors. Now, I've never seen that be very effective and I I don't recommend, I mean, from my perspective, I'm about helping the body function normally, stay healthy naturally. Anytime we're suppressing a natural process, like, you know, using Benadryl to um, suppress histamine production, we're, we're just suppressing something in the body. We're not treating anything. We're not supporting the natural processes and pathways in the body. The acid blockers even worse because you're you're basically shutting down the body's ability to digest the food. Talk about, you know, nutrient deficiencies. Well, if you don't have that stomach acid to start to break down the food appropriately, you're not going to be able to absorb, uh, you know, absorb nutrients. So as a, just like standard treatment, I mean, I see like, you know, lots of patients with mast cells that just put on that, you know, Benadryl entanglement or somebody's allowed in steroids, like as a treatment protocol. Now, I I will say if you know say I see a a dog with a mast cell tumor and the mast cell tumor is really itchy sometimes they're just really super itchy if the Benadryl helps with comfort I'm always looking quality of life if we can help keep that pet comfortable while we're introducing other things sometimes something like Benadryl to help keep the pet comfortable while we're introducing herbs and mistletoe and other things we might want to do because we need some time for the natural things. To work and if pets you know scratching its tumor till bleeding every day well that's problematic and if a little benadryl helps kind of calm down some of that itchiness temporarily then I might recommend I, I don't ever recommend things like acid blockers or because th- we're, we're disrupting the you know natural digestive process too much but as far as just a a treatment protocol like no it's not it's not treating anything you might see a little bit of a reduction in tumor size but then as soon as you whenever you're doing like a suppressive treatment like that if you ever take it away tumor is just gonna gonna blow up so you're not you're not treating anything and you're never going to have good long-term results that way
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the warnings, um, about Benadryl is don't try to guess the dose by yourself. You want to work with somebody like Dr. Judy Jasek If in fact you are going to introduce some Benadryl for a short period of time. Okay. Um, and, and it also says don't ever give liquid Benadryl. Um, you might assume that it's safe because, you know, that's what The little kids take, children take the liquid Benadryl. But in this article, it says it's full of harmful ingredients and dyes. And Mm -hmm. make sure that the formula that you are getting doesn't have xylitol in it. It's deadly to dogs. Uh, You want to make sure that anything doesn't have any dyes in it. And don't give to pregnant or nursing females. Um, So that's one that people commonly use. And uh, we have to be very, very careful with that. Again, I would only um do that under the supervision of somebody like dr Judy jasek but um there's another one that i've heard recently dr jasek pet parents are giving tylenol to their dogs mm-hmm. and uh as a as an alternative for pain i think this is very dangerous what would you say about tylenol
0: yeah i'd never recommend tylenol dogs i mean tylenol it's known to be very toxic to the liver in people that's been shown to be true. And, um, I can't imagine that it's any less toxic in dogs. And I think there's, you know, better, better pain relievers that are safer. If you had to do a conventional pain medication for one reason or another, there's others that are certainly better choices for dogs. I, I've never recommended, uh, Tylenol in a patient.
1: Yeah. I think that could be, you know, and and the other thing is, you know, people will say, well, I know my dog isn't feeling well because they aren't eating. So I just keep giving them Tylenol. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's
0: the Tylenol that's messing up the gut. Right. 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 Or you need to find out why is the dog not eating? Like there might be some other reason and we shouldn't just do an eat jerk and give a toxic medication and see if it helps. Like, I think, you know, Diagnostics are sometimes very important, especially if we have a significant sign like the pet's not eating. We need, we need to figure out what's going on there.
1: Of course, yeah, and and you know, Dr. Jessica, you and I have both seen that sometimes when dogs stop eating, there's some type of a uh, internal issue going on. Mm-hmm. Could be a cancer, could be a tumor. Um,
0: you don't think could... it's just because they don't like the raw food?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I I don't I haven't. I've never seen it in my dogs. As a matter of fact, my dogs just about knocked me down to get to the food. Right. <laughs> you know, they just, uh, they act like they have never uh, had a meal. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm looking at your body. And I know because I feed you that you're properly fed. They just love it. I
0: oh, yeah. know. And that's I- the way dogs are supposed to eat. They
1: should tear into their food like that. Yeah, I did. I did have someone contact me the other day and said, my dog just won't eat raw period at all. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sure there are some dogs out there. I would like to have them in my home so I could see. It's always, um, curious to me why a dog would not eat. Mm -hmm. Now, um, when I do question pet parents, because most pet parents can't allow their dog not to eat. So I will say, well, what do you do when they don't eat? Well, I give them kibble or I cook for them or I do this or I don't, or I do that. Right. Um, and, and then they always say to me, so I know they're hungry. They just don't want the raw. Now there's so many different reasons for that. Dr. Jasek. I mean, like mm-hmm. if I, I can look and see that somebody has been feeding one blend for a year or six months or whatever, well, the dog just may say, I'm sick and tired of that blend. Right. And then the next thing that comes into play as well They're allergic to everything else. I can't give them anything Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. I hear that one a lot too. Right? And we know that uh, these allergy tests and and people make a lot of money off these allergy tests, but I don't see, you don't see that they're that valuable, but dang, are they expensive? They can be expensive. And then the poor dog can't have anything else the rest of its life.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't work. I mean, I I see clients... All the time that have done the allergy testing, and say it's for itchy skin, which is a common reason why people do allergy testing, because it's assumed that itchy skin is is always due to the fact that the pet's allergic to something. Which I I don't think it's true. I think there's many other factors that enter into why pets itch. But they'll do this testing, and then they'll eliminate all the things the dog supposedly allergic to, and I'll ask, "Well, did it help?" And usually the answer is it helped for a little bit, but now a dog's just back to itching because there's other issues. We're not getting to the root cause. It's not a food allergy in, in the first place. So I
1: have a customer who their vet told them that they just needed to be on a fish diet, totally fish. That's it. And I'm like, Um, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Just fish. I mean, you, you can't possibly get all your vitamins and minerals just from fish, you know? And when I really have talked to this, this customer, I think the dog goes to grandma's for daycare every day Mm -hmm. and grandma gives this dog inappropriate food. Mm -hmm. and now this dog look my dogs love raw but they're not going to
0: eat fish every single day they're just not going to do it yeah no I think they the dogs are natural scavengers they they like variety they like to eat different things that's that's what their bodies are designed for I mean we don't eat that way if we if you ate the exact same thing day after day after day after day you You get pretty tired of it. You get to the point like, yeah, if you ate just nothing but fish, you know, every day and that's all you ever ate, I bet in a couple of weeks, you'd be really sick of it too and not wanting to eat it. I just don't think that that
1: is a very quote unquote balanced diet, right? So all animals have different vitamins and minerals. All organs have different vitamins and minerals, um, different levels of omega-3s. So variety is the key. Variety is the key. But I guarantee you that the question is never, well, do you think it could be from a toxin that we're putting in the body, like a vaccine or a flea and tick or a heartworm? Do you think it could come from any of that, right? This itchy stuff. And again, I always want to look at the level of itch. Um, Right. You know, and- Even my mom, she contacted me and she said, well, you know, um, her little Lily, uh, her little schnorky, um, was itching. And I said, but mom, you you have her groomed every three weeks. Right. Right. And I'm like, do you really need to do that? And, um, I think she does it because her dog, you know, sleeps in the bed with her beside her. And, um, but I said, that would be drying out the skin. But um, I I did send her a couple of things. You know, I said, do this, you know, omega-3. She was thinking about doing Benadryl. I said, don't do Benadryl. We'll do quercetin, you know, do a little bit mm-hmm. of Cursetin. Um, And 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 she'd call me and she said that it is helping. So, but I don't mm-hmm. think she's going to stop doing the grooming. So you see, it, people have to make a decision because I said, I don't think that doing, you know, giving a dog... <laughs> um, a bath the and having a groomer come every three
0: weeks, mom is, is probably good for the skin. Yeah. That's and it's, and there's a lot of chemicals in shampoos, yeah. even, you know, like quote unquote natural or healthy, you know, say natural oatmeal shampoo or something like that. But you read the ingredients, there's like 10 or 15 chemicals. I mean, I challenge, you know, most anybody to even be able to pronounce all the ingredients on a bottle of pet shampoo These days, you know what I recommend people with dogs with really itchy skin is tallow soap. So tallow soap, I mean, soap convention traditionally was made from fat. It's saponified fat and tallow is, is beef fat, which is very high in vitamin D. It's very, very high in the nutrients that are naturally good for the skin and um, it comes in a bar, so it's different. It doesn't lather up because the only reason soaps lather up like they do is because there's chemicals that make it lather. Soap doesn't naturally lather. And so it's a little bit different. Kind of got to work it into your, you know, pet's fur. But I've had people tell me that really helps with itchy skin. And part of that might just be we're eliminating the chemicals that, you know, we're, we're, putting on the skin and, you know, dogs come out of the groomer smelling all nice and perfumey and all that. Well, that's all more chemicals making them uh, smell like that. So I recommend, yeah. I mean, if, if for people that really want to bathe their dog that often be really, really, really sure that it's a, it is a hundred percent natural shampoo and not just on the label, like read the ingredients. I, I even, and, and, uh, water too. I had a client once tell me, and I hadn't ever really thought about this, but I've certainly told this to people since she said she stopped using water with chlorine in it to bathe her dog and the skin improved dramatically. So now I myself am very sensitive to chlorine. Like if I walk through like a, a motel where, and like I walk by the pool, I can smell the chlorine. It's like, mm. it just, I start to get a headache. I'm really sensitive to it. But you think about that, if a dog has really sensitive skin and they're sensitive to chlorine, so chlorine is in all of our tap water, all of our city waters. It's all treated with chlorine. It's it's in water everywhere, unless you have a filter and you're filtering it out. And this client told me her dog's skin improved dramatically when she started using filtered water. So think about that. What kind of water is the groomer using? You know, probably some sort of city water. So, and that's, it, would it be a pain to ask your groomer, hey, could you just please, can I bring in a five gallon jug of water and you can just use that on my dog? But, you know, that all those things can be a, can be a contributing factor. Right. And if you're looking for convenience,
1: well, convenience kills. And I'm just sorry. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, we have to make a decision. Are we going to um, get out of our little comfort zone a little bit more so that we can have healthy pets? Uh, and 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 even healthy bodies ourself, right? So, um, that's a great, great tip on the chlorine. Also, um, there's a lot of different ingredients. So if you see things like this is one thing that that makes pet parents think that their shampoo's fine. It says a proprietary blend of, <laughs> of coat and skin conditioners and moisturizers. And mm-hmm. um, they're saying, you know, if you see that statement, don't purchase that product because that's, you know, something that you have no idea. Artificial fragrance, uh, artificial colors. Um, if you see formaldehyde preservatives and it says you won't see formaldehyde on the list of ingredients, but, um, it, it's still there. Okay. It's a slow releasing compound and it's a formaldehyde. It's been known to trigger immune responses that will include and can include burning, itching, blistering, or scaling of skin. Now, why would you put that in a shampoo for a dog? All right? Good question. We want to preserve their skin cells.
0: <laughs>
1: Good <know. laughs> night. Uh, paraben. Paraben preservatives are thought to be stored in the body, and um, so they're estrogen disruptor. Ah, uh, disruptors. A um, uh, paraben preservatives can cause cancer. There's a lot of things in this ingredient list that I look at that can cause cancer, right? All of these different in ingredients, uh, even mineral oil, Dr. Jasek, it says it sounds great, uh, but it keeps the skin from releasing its own natural oils. And the reason that your skin releases its own natural oils is because it's eliminating toxins. Mm-hmm right? So here we go. We're going to, we're going to shampoo our dog and it's going to have mineral oil in it. And, and now we're not going to allow the body to eliminate
0: the toxins. See, nonsensical. Right. Right. And remember the skin surface area wise, is the largest organ in the body and it absorbs it can or can absorb potentially anything that comes in contact with it. So don't think that, oh, these chemicals are in the shampoo, then then they're just going to rinse them off and they're not going to have any effect. No, not only can they cause local irritation, but those chemicals can actually be absorbed right through the skin. And so just shampooing your dog could actually be poisoning your dog. Um, Isn't this the time that
1: dogs, we should put them through a detox? Because I know that you and Chris, both your husband, you guys are big on detoxing, right? Getting the chemicals Mm -hmm. out of the body. Um, And I think that people forget that every spring and, you know, every fall that we probably do need to do a detox, help that body get all that stuff out. Because we're doing so many things like these bad shampoos that are blocking the toxins in the body. Um, Mm -hmm. you're in favor of, of
0: detoxing. Oh, absolutely. And, and like for pets, like as a, as a general rule, I don't think we need to like detox continuously, but giving the detoxification organs a little bit of a, um, of a boost. So that would be liver and kidneys primarily. So one of the things like I have that I recommend, I make up a, it's a it's a detox tea that we have. It's just a powder. It's got milk thistle and dandelion leaf and root and some turmeric. And, and I have clients actually make that into a tea. So they steep it. And then they just have that liquid that they could just then pour right over the food. And for maintenance, I'll say do that or something similar. I mean, people can go buy these herbs. I know like Adored Beast has some liver detoxification you know, protocols and you know they're a great company so i think you know their products are fine too but these herbs like the dandelion um help support the liver and the kidneys actually the dandelion leaf the top of the plant is a natural diuretic so it helps kind of flush out um flush out the kidneys milk thistle is very liver supportive so doing something like that maybe a week out of every month just to give the you know dogs a boost now if we know they've had a a bunch of drugs they've been in for whatever reason, and they've been treated with a bunch of pharmaceuticals, you know, I might want to detox for several weeks, or say, I see a dog that has elevated liver enzymes, I will sometimes put them on a, like the detox tea continuously, like maybe for a month until we can recheck liver values. And we see liver values um, starting to come down. But yeah, I think I mean, ozone is a great, you know, for anybody that might be inclined to get their own ozone generator. And do some rectal ozone on their pets or in yourself. Effective on people too. Um, very easy thing to do. And because we are oxygenating the body, um, it, and and rectal ozone in particular is very liver supportive because that ozone gets right up in the hepatic vein, and it and it helps to support liver health. So if we want to help the body detox, we have to support the organs of detoxification and the primary one there is the, is the liver, but you know, the skin is too. And I think that's why, you know, they, you'll hear it said. And, and for people like sweating's good because, you know, it kind of cleans out your pores and helps your body detox. Now dogs don't sweat um, through their, through their skin, like, like people do, but you know, so why do dogs sometimes just start itching like crazy after a round of vaccines? I think they're trying to detox through the skin. I think it is one of the organs where the body will try to detox it's just that it just can't always get the job done it's like it tries to kind of push stuff out and you get these rashes and you get this inflammation um but it's sometimes just what the body's trying to get rid of gets kind of like stuck there and can't need some help getting getting rid of it by supporting skin health um so that so that that process can um, can work, but I do think that's part of the, part of the issue and why we see a lot of itchy skin. But we do need to detox. This is the time of year that we
1: want to detox. And you can get over to ahavet.com Dr. Jason is able to, um, look at any kind of records that you have talk to you about your pet and recommend, and even sell you, uh, herbs that will be good for your pet. One last question that I have for you before we go today. Um, some people do milk thistle all the time. Is that good or shall we just do it you know, intermittently?
0: Yeah, I, I would do it intermittently. Because I think for, for a couple of reasons, I think when you give like an herb like that constantly, the body becomes kind of complacent. And I don't think it uses it as efficiently. Um, I think for like detoxification, if you do it for a while, give the body a break and then reintroduce it, it's like, it sort of keeps the body a little bit tuned up. And I think it can use those, um, healing tools more efficiently. Most herbalists that, you know, I have, you know, followed or listened to will always say you, you want to give some breaks in your, in your therapy. And this is based on, you know, what's going on with the pet, but I, things like that, if it's like a maintenance thing, I usually recommend pulsing it or, you know, rotating things around, you know, sometimes I have people, um, come in that want to work with me and their pets are on so many supplements. I mean, 20, 30 different things. It's, it's a lot of stuff. And, but some people are very attached to what they're doing and they're very proud of their routine. So what I do at least as an initial step is, you know it might eliminate some things but then at the very least we start to rotate so they're maybe getting all these things two or three times a week not getting everything every day kind of rotate things around and i think doing that sort of thing helps too because i think we can just flat out overwhelm the body by giving that many things and each of those supplements probably has multiple ingredients so if you do too much of that sort of thing um i think you can overwhelm the body and overwhelm the detoxification organs like the liver, even though these ingredients might not be quote unquote toxic, we're still making the liver work to just process them all. And we, we, we want, you know, will say it's, if it's a cancer patient, I want the body's energy devoted towards managing the cancer, not processing a bunch of supplements, not, not that supplements don't have some role, but I do think we have to be careful not to overdo it. Absolutely. And if you
1: want to know how to not to overdo it, you want to contact Dr. Judy J. Get signed up with her at a H a vet.com. We do need to get your dogs uh, detox. So let's consider that doing that right now as we're, we're going into uh, the summer months coming up. We're in spring right now. I'm, I'm so ready for to get my flowers out and everything. Uh, I think I got five more weeks or so here, but um yeah, so we we might start seeing some itching. We want some safe ways to uh, deal with that. And uh, get over to ahavet.com. Make sure that you're doing right dosing, right protocols for what's going on with your dog. Get your dog on a species-appropriate diet. You've got to get them off all the processed stuff. Get them on a clean diet. You can do that right here at rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where your pet's health is our business. And where friends don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you soon, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: Oh, snap.
1: Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business.
0: Just snap.